0: Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Paul says, I know what's going to be left for
1: me, Christ, all right? So I am not afraid. Listen, have you ever noticed that the happiest people you know are often the most selfless people? And that people with many, many, many things by the standards of the world can be utterly miserable? Because happiness is not contingent on the amount of stuff you have. And so Paul says, listen, on this brief life, in this brief lifetime, I'm gonna serve others.
0: Everything probably sounds horrible to most of us. If we're honest with ourselves, we love our stuff. And because we love stuff, we live lives that are preoccupied with getting more of it. Yet, even when we get that new car or TV or whatever that thing may be, we find ourselves longing for more. As Pastor Ricky examines the example of Paul, we're reminded that there is only one way to find true, lasting joy and contentment. That is, when we let go of everything until the only thing left is Christ. Let's join Pastor Ricky for part three of his message, To Live as Christ, to Die as Gain from the book of Philippians chapter one.
1: Friends, this is what the Bible's good news to you is today. You were created to be with God forever in joyful eternity. That's a longing much deeper than anything in this world around us can satisfy. The bad news is that your sins separate you from the eternity that you long for. But the good news is that Christ died for your sins so that you could be brought into that so that you could see the surpassing worth of God in Christ and rejoice. It is so worth it, friends. Your choice today is simple. You've got two eternities that are staring at you. The first eternity is where you simply bear the judgment of what you've done in this life. On the other side is an eternity where you do not bear what you deserved, but get what Christ deserved. And one for you. And you today can believe in Christ. But it, it, it's costly, I'm not gonna lie. It is costly. Jesus himself said, Count the cost, but it is so worth it. This letter has endured because Christians of generation and century after century have declared this is true and clung to it. Now, if you're a Christian today, Gordon Fee is going to talk to us for a minute. He says this, Too often for us, it is, for me to live is Christ plus work or leisure or accumulating wealth or friendships. And if the truth were known, all too often the plus has become our primary passion. For me to live is my work, etc. Both our progress and joy regarding the gospel are altogether contingent on whether or not Christ is our primary, singular passion. So ask yourself, would you be willing to change your career for Christ? To move somewhere you don't wanna go for Christ? To stay somewhere that you don't wanna stay for Christ? Would you be willing to love people you don't wanna love for Christ or give up relationships with others for Christ? Would you be willing to hand Christ the remote and control what shows you watch and websites you visit? Would you give Christ control of how much money you spend and on what, and what kind of a car you drive, and what kind of house you live in? Look, I think, especially with, with I'll just say my generation in particular, we often approach life like this, right? We see the Bible and God in our Christianity as providing sort of as fencing off sections of life. Like, okay, you're not allowed to go there. That's obviously sin, but whatever you want to do, you can just do, just stay inside the fence, right? And sometimes you go up to the fence and you look over the fence, you're like, oh, man, looks so good. But I got to stay inside the fence or I'm going to go to hell, you know? Like, it's just, right? This is what, this is what you think. This is the, and I think Paul gives us an entirely different picture. Think of that. Instead of a fence think think of this. Think of a journey, right? And we have this map. And it leads us onward and onward and onward. And we don't know what this turn will take or what's over that mountain or how to get across this river. But we do know at the very end, there is a city with foundations whose builder is God. And all too often, instead of, <laughs> instead of following wholeheartedly Christ on this journey, we're, we're taking detours of like, well, I think I'll get there eventually, but let me just, let me, I just need to take a minute over here, right? See, for Paul, it was all in. It was all or nothing. He's getting there no matter what. That's what, Christ, that's what Paul's radical perspective is. Second, these two sections will go quick. Second, so buckle up. What does it look like to live like this, right? What does it look like to live this day today? This is big and like heady, but what does it look like to live this? A couple things that are just sketched out here, filled out by the rest of the New Testament, but a couple things sketched out here. First is rejoicing despite suffering. Paul starts this section with, yes, and I will rejoice. He will rejoice through hardship and pain and loss. Why? He did this because around every turn, as he followed Christ, he got more of Christ. In other words, the more that Paul sacrificed for Jesus, the more of Jesus he got and what he ultimately wanted was Jesus anyway, Right, so the stuff he's giving up to get the thing he wants doesn't seem like a loss. He's like, that's what I want anyway. Fine, great, let go of this and get more of that. I'll take that trade any day. Paul's unshakable joy, the reason this letter written from prison is the happiest book of the Bible, is that Paul's joy is not, take, is not dependent on anything that can be taken away from him. Paul's joy is based on something, despite all that life throws him, only gets more and more and more joyful. It doesn't mean, friends, there's no sorrow. In 2 Corinthians 6.10, Paul says that we are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. It doesn't mean that he doesn't hurt, he doesn't cry, he doesn't feel, it doesn't... Friends, life is hard. And it would, be, it would be an act and a mask for us to think, I'm just never gonna feel sorrow. Oh, Paul felt sorrow but he says, yet always rejoicing. See, in this life, following Christ does not mean that we will never have sorrow. It means that we have the ability to always rejoice through it. At my wife Jen's church that she grew up attending, I was there for a couple of years. There was a family there who had a severely disabled child who was essentially confined to a wheelchair, couldn't do anything for himself. And yet this family was one of the most joyful families I had ever met. And I didn't understand it until I was invited to go to their house for dinner. They, had, they, were, they were super smart, super cool people, invited me over for like a book club night. And I could see, man, this, this wasn't a mask that they put on. It was that wheeled their son in every Sunday. This was the way they lived. Because at the dinner table, their son would do something funny or something amusing and they would laugh. And there were other times that he did something concerning and you could, you could tell the way that it wore on them. And yet they rejoiced. They rejoiced in, in good books. They rejoiced in strong tea. They rejoiced when their son had a good day and not a bad day. Because even though there was sorrow every day of their life, they still looked through the eyes of Christ and found joy knowing that this, this service only gets us more of Christ. And there'll be a day that my son will walk again, right? That's how they approach life. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing if Christ is all. Second is courage in the face of fear. He said, Paul says, prayers with full courage that he will stand for. See, being a prisoner in the Roman world was shameful. It called into question Paul's credentials and his work. He's probably one of the greatest minds to ever live, and yet he's getting mocked. He's the butt of jokes in Rome. At the trial he's going to go to, he's going to have no power whatsoever. He's going to be facing the full might of the Roman empire, and yet he says, I'm going to stand with full courage. How can he do this? because he knows that whatever happens will only result in either him glorifying Christ or getting Christ, right? To live is Christ, to die is to get more of Christ. Neither of those are a bad outcome. So he can look down the barrel of death and say, what? I love, I wish we could go there, but in 1 Corinthians 15, read that this week where Paul mocks death and he says, oh death, where is your victory, right? He can look down the barrel of death and mock it because he thinks you're a boat (laughs) for all of your teeth, for all of the the, the people in the world that are afraid of you, you're my boat to take me to the thing I want. I don't care. This This is why Paul had full courage. Not, listen, and it wasn't that he never felt fear, but that there was a presence of a persistent courage that came from knowing that Christ was everything. One of my favorite theologians, John Wayne, once said that courage is being scared to death but saddling up anyway, right? I just love that that's Paul's attitude. He's like, yup, I don't really wanna get torn apart by lions in front of a cheering crowd, but if that's what we're gonna do, we're gonna do that. I will never forget the example of the people and pastors at Gracia Soberana, our sister church in Ciudad Juarez, I mean, their pastors would come and, and preach occasionally during that time, and they told stories, and listen, at the height of drug violence, when their city was essentially turned into a war zone, that church, those men, those women did not stop preaching the gospel, even when they were directly and specifically opposed. Remember this one story where some of the members of the church went out into like the street at a time where everybody, like even a legitimate businesses would try to look like nobody was home, right? And lock the doors and just hope. And then maybe if you knew that person, you'd let them in and, and, and they could come. They just went out into the street and then asked people if they needed prayer. And people thought these people are nuts. You can't just walk around like what, like nothing. And just, do you need any prayer? Like, apparently you need some prayer because you're insane, right? And, and the, the strength and courage of those men and women and that church make me think, man, I, I don't know what that's like. So I think I could be a little more courageous. <laughs> I think I could be willing to lose a little bit more because they knew something I don't. Up against eternity, you feel it. You feel it. The closer you get, you feel it. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And third, was it look like it looks like serving others with selfless abandon. Verse 25, he says, "Convinced of this, I know that I will remain "'and continue with you all for your progress "'and joy in the faith.'" Listen, I love Paul. He's just straight with the church. He's like, listen, if it was up to me, I'd rather be with Jesus. But if I'm gonna be around, I'll work for your, you guys, right? I'll try to make your joy my goal. You know why? Because I'm gonna get joy, <laughs> don't worry about me, I'm gonna help you, right? It's selfless abandon. I think one of the reasons that we don't live more others-centered lives is that that deep down, we feel by living self-fear, that by living selflessly, we will lose things and be unhappy. If we really thought that we would be happier serving other people, then we would do it. But deep down, we're like, oh no, if I give up this evening or this money or this thing to those people, Man, what's going to be left for me? Paul says, I know what's going to be left for me, Christ. All right? So I am not afraid. Listen, have you ever noticed that the happiest people you know are often the most selfless people? And that people with many, many, many things by the standards of the world can be utterly miserable? Because happiness is not contingent on the amount of stuff you have. And so Paul says, listen, on this brief life, in this brief lifetime, I'm going to serve others. You know, a few years ago, there was a military family in our community group. We were meeting in their house and they brought awesome news to the group that they were having another baby. It was kind of unexpected, but they were still excited. They're rolling with it. They're excited. And then a few months later, the wife brought another piece of news that the wife had been diagnosed with cancer while she was pregnant. And it started this whirlwind of doctor's visits, and the baby was born, and her whole cancer treatment regimen started. And you know what? Looking back, I just think this is like insane. Our group just kept meeting at their house because I talked to the, the husband, and I was like, man, we really do not mind. I mean, really. Like, let us serve you. We'll have it somewhere else. And he was just like, no, no, please, please meet here. They, they kept serving somewhat in young life. They would do things with their school. And, and, and in them, listen, guys, that's what, I see, that's what this is talking about. It doesn't mean you have to be like Paul, this wandering missionary. Sometimes the bravest people that are there are people enduring the regular trials of life that want to lay you down and slay you and, and taking those trials and refusing to stop rejoicing and facing them with courage and pushing to be selfless because to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I'm, I'm, I'm challenged by the, by the example of that family. So third, okay, we gotta end with this because I think you're wondering like me, okay, how can we sustain this though? Like in here, sometimes there's like a bubble where it feels good. We sing like a worship song and some guy's preaching and everyone's smiling and you think, I could do it, I could do this. And then Monday, and you're like, ha, 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 where's, where's the band? Where's, you know, like, right? How can we sustain this? I mean, look, Paul, he's not working this up. And, and, and like the, the next day, I'm sure he felt sorrow and difficulty, but this is kind of how he lived. So how can we live this way too? There are three practical helps right at the beginning of this passage. I want to highlight briefly. He says this, for I know, verse 19 that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Now, three things that help sustain Paul. First is prayer. Paul is saying something really profound here, guys. That through your prayers, this will turn out for my deliverance. Now, what, what deliverance is he talking about? Well, there's some debate. Some people think it means getting released from jail. Some people means, think it means he's going to die and be delivered, um, It probably means more of an ultimate vindication and deliverance. But listen, Paul's gonna be delivered either way. It could happen with a good result at the trial or it could happen if he dies and he's vindicated before everyone in eternity. But either way, he says, I am sustained through your prayers. I think of Paul as like bulletproof, right? I think of him as like, he's the crazy guy, the the one friend that's never down. He's always up. You're just like, man, how do you always do that? What is going on? And he's he's telling the church, listen, you know how I'm sustained? Through your prayers. Thank you. Listen, this guy, he'd seen Jesus He'd followed him in every every city through trial and torment. And yet he says, listen, you know what's keeping me going? What's one of the means of grace that God is sustaining me through this? Your prayers. Spurgeon says this, prayer girds human weakness with divine strength, turns human folly into heavenly wisdom and gives to troubled mortals the peace of God. We know not what prayer can do. Brothers and sisters, we need to support one another in prayers. One of the things we've realized recently as elders is that we need to give more attention to this area. So we're going to be doing that this year. We want to do a better job with a church-wide prayer list, with establishing a prayer team, with visiting people to pray for them. So we, we're going to be asking for your help during this year. We, we want that because it matters. It's not like, well, let's give them something to do. Here's a prayer team. Like we're going to go do the church stuff, but you guys can pray. That's fine. You know, th- that's not what this is. Paul said, man, the only reason I'm standing right now is your prayers, and we feel like we need that as a church. But you can do this, friend. You can do this. You can right now write down prayer requests from your friends. Our community group just sends out a, a prayer like update after every meeting. Take that. Pray for those people. And this may be harder for some of you. Let other people know when you have a prayer need, okay? It's not tough to just be like, I'm just gonna suck it up. That's stupid, right? If Paul the Apostle It's like, I'm making it right now through your prayers. Listen, I don't know where you and Paul are in the spectrum of spirituality. I'm going to guess you're slightly lower than Paul. I'm going to go ahead and guess that you're going to need prayer. So ask for prayer. Okay, second, the Spirit, prayer, and the Spirit sustain them. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance we're not just trying to work ourselves up into some kind of to live as Christ, like youth group frenzy, right? You ever do one of those like youth group lock-ins where everyone's like hopped up on like caffeine and sugar and you're like, yeah, Jesus! Like, and you just gotta kind of maintain that, keep eating sugar before the sugar crash comes? No, the power is not in us. And if it was, we'd be always running on fumes. The power is the spirit of Jesus Christ in us. See, when we believe in Christ, we receive his spirit and he is with us. He is the engine that makes this thing go. He is the power that sustains us. So friends, there, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a sign of strong Christian faith and a strong Christian walk if you regularly express dependence on Jesus and ask for him, his help. It's not strong, like I'm gonna tough this out. No, strength is realizing your weakness and clinging to the strength of God. So daily confess this, weekly confess this. When you get to the end of yourself, right? When you're in a trial and you're like, Lord, I am at the end of myself, that's good. Ask for help. And third thing, third thing that helps sustain Paul is providence. He uses this little phrase that I love. He says, through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. This will It's like he's saying, this will happen to be for my deliverance. Well, how does he know it's going to turn out, right? (laughs) Like, really? Why is he so confident? He doesn't have a whole lot of reasons externally for confidence. Because he's trusting the providential hand of God that this will turn out. It's not like I hope this turns out. This will turn out because God will providentially guide and sustain and orchestrate events for his good. Romans 828, Paul says this. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So he says right here, this is gonna turn out. This is gonna turn out. Don't worry about it. See the ups and downs of life, friend, are sometimes gut wrenching. Sometimes you feel like you're on a roller coaster. And not even one of those like smooth roller coasters that are fun, but those old wooden ones that are like shattering your teeth like out of their sockets. And you're like, it hurts when I'm going up and when I'm going down. Like that, <laughs> life is like that. But, but Paul knew this. This is taking me somewhere. That every bit of this track is laid by the providential hand of God so that I can more and more declare that Jesus is my all. And when I get off, I'll be with him forever. Right? This is the providential hand of God. So this is what sustains Paul. It should sustain us. We want prayer. We need prayer from others. We we need the Spirit's help, and we need a strong confidence in the providence of God. Let me just close by saying this. This cannot and should not be a passage that we can move quickly on. The more I've meditated on this passage this week, the harder this feels, especially for us in America. And it's hard because we have so many things we can add to the plus. To live as Christ and this. We have so much other stuff. We think, oh, I'm doing well because Christ is one of the things I'm living for, right? But that's not, that's not the call of the passage. The call is to live for Christ. The goal is to, throughout your life, shrink more and more and more of what you would naturally add to live as Christ and, right? To keep shrinking that blank. So it's more and more Christ and less. That's what sanctification looks like in this area. But when we dare to do this, friends, when we dare to do this, we find something. We find joy that we never knew we had. We find courage we didn't think we had. We find a selflessness that we didn't think we had. And we get help along the way from prayer, from the spirit, from providence. So ask yourself as we close today, what to you is life? And what to you is death? Because the way you answer that question changes everything.
0: Open God, oh my soul. He is strong, and he is strong to sing. Open God, he's a rock and you hide in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. We're so glad that you tuned in today better news radio for pastor ricky study through the happiest book in the bible we hope you've been encouraged by what you heard today and that jesus's joy is filling you up if you ever find that you have any questions or would like to share a prayer request with us please give us a call at 915 562 7100 we love that we can pray for our listeners so don't hesitate that phone number again is 915 562 7100 or you can email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. We'd also like to invite you to visit our website, betternewsradio.com. There you can listen to today's message again, or search through our archive of previous teachings by Pastor Ricky. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to receive the latest messages as soon as they're available. Pastor Ricky has created an introduction video for our website visitors, telling you about the gospel message and why it's vital for the world today. Watch it online and find out more about the ministry of Better News Radio at betternewsradio.com. While we'd love to spend more time with you today, sadly, that brings us to our conclusion. We'd like to encourage you to read ahead in the book of Philippians and let the Holy Spirit guide your own time of study. He might just reveal something you never would have caught before. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again to hear more from Pastor Ricky right here on Better News Radio.